take your seats. Thank you for that lovely warm welcome. have to say, I promise you that Pastor Mark did not see my notes tonight. I thought maybe he should be speaking because what he talked about the body, soul and spirit is imperative to what I'm going to speak about tonight. I want to tell you a little story and the story is about my fur baby. And about eight, I have three daughters and a female dog. Can you believe it? Anyway, she is, a, she is away at the moment. She's gone and had her babies. And eight weeks ago, I had to bring her for her weekend away to mate. <laughs> yes, let's go there. <laughs> anyway, I'm driving in the car and I have been here once a few times. In fact, three other times. I'm in the car. My dog loves, my dog loves going in the car. This particular day, as I am driving, I have my, my um, navigator, you know, the maps showing me where I've gone, even though I've been there many times before. I don't want to bore you with the story. My dog is barking at the top of her voice. So what's happened is the sun is shining. I've got the music blaring. It's Monday. It's my day off. All of a sudden, my phone has heated up. I have no maps. I have a full-on panic attack. I ring my husband. Honey, do you know where I'm going? He's usually a very helpful husband. And he goes, sorry, darling, I have no idea. At that moment, honestly, you know when you're adrenaline, I am freaking out. You know what a panic attack is? My dog never barks. And I asked my psychotherapist at our office, and I said, what happens? My dog never barks. And, and he said to me, he said, you know, Anna, when we're stressed, when we go into that fight, flight, freeze um, state, when that happens to us, we actually release a hormone. And it's ferro-something. Comp I completely forgot the name. Anyway, trust me, we do. Um, <laughs> and so you can look it up. And, and what happened is because dogs are so sensitive to smell, she has picked up that me, the driver, is completely stressed and anxious. And I don't know about you, there's two things I cannot cope with. I'm sorry, Julie. A screaming baby and a barking dog. <laughs> she is barking and, and, and I'm on a, on a road that is 110 kilometres. Cars are flying past. I've had to stop. Her seatbelt is off. I have no idea where to go. The, the, the Apple thing is saying turn right in 80, in 80 metres. I just had to stop going, God, help. You know that? Can you, I can feel the adrenaline now. <laughs> I can feel myself. Anyway, cut a long story short. All of a sudden, my husband's not helpful. I don't know where I'm going. And this thought just comes into my head. Anna. Calm down. What do you reckon can happen to you right now? You have a full tank of petrol. You've got time on your site. And all of a sudden, that heightened state that I was in, can anyone relate to that? All of a sudden, that heightened state, I just came right down. I settled. I calmed. And would you believe... My pre is there a photo? I've, I've said, can I have a photo of, where's, oh, this little thing. <laughs> How cute is she? I miss her so much. She, and, and this, is, this is truth, as soon as I settled, she just calmed right down. That's what freaked the living daylights out of me. Like, what the heck? is all that about. So dogs are so sensitive. So I say that story to tell you this. What we have been through in the last couple of years, I had a panic attack. I am a counsellor. I teach people how to deal with anxiety. And it's my day off and I'm having a full-on panic attack. In, in the middle of a highway that is 110 kilometres, I'm having to get out of the car, build my dog up, and, and everyone's just going like this and going, ah, stop. Anyway, so it, what dawned on me was anxiety, depression, the aftermath of what we have been through. Yeah. 
I don't know about you, but the aftermath of COVID has had a huge impact. And I don't need to tell you about all the things that it's impacted. But I know for me as a counsellor, I had so many couples that were getting married during that COVID season. And I don't know about you, but if you were one of those couples that was getting married or planning a wedding, I had a couple that had to get married and they had five people at their wedding. And do you know who that was? The bride, the groom, the celebrant, the photographer and videographer. Like, who ever thought that that would happen in this day and age? Who ever thought that we would have to confront that? Who ever thought that we would be living in a season that, that we have lived in? And I think the last time that that happened was 100 years ago with the Spanish flute. So we have, you know, what's that word that, was, that everybody used during our COVID season? Does anyone remember? Which one, Pastor Mark? That one unprecedented times. If I heard that word one more time, I was going to scream, but it was true. And you know, regardless of, of what, that's my story. And, and I have seen of late in my office and all the calls that I'm getting, anxiety, depression, but mainly anxiety. And you know, there's so much impact my, one of my girls is a speechy and she was telling me that the impact of COVID has even affected little babies where they're not babbling as early as they used to. So I think this season is one that has potentially impacted us in so many ways from birth to death. My darling father-in-law in 2020 passed away. I don't know about you, but I don't ever remember having to invite people or uninvite people to come to a funeral. It was the most bizarre thing. And, you know, as you're sitting there, I'm sure you can count so many stories about some of the losses that have occurred in your life as, as an impact of COVID. You know, it might not be that you were getting married. It might not be that you had a panic attack on the way to taking your dog to, to her, you know to do her business, um, or, or it might, you know, but I'm sure every single one of us have been impacted in some way, shape or form. You know, whatever that is for you, I hope that tonight, I haven't got all the answers, but I know who has. You know, and, and, and tonight I hope, I, I don't know, I don't profess to know at all, in fact, I don't know a lot, but... I do have some stats for you tonight, and the stats are alarming, but the stats are there not to create anxiety in us, but to create an awareness to go, wow, we need to be better equipped. We need to understand all of this. We need to somehow, it might not be me, but it might be the person next to me. Not, but might not be me, might be someone at the supermarket, might, it, whoever. We just need to know and understand some of the stuff that we are, that is going on. I just want to read something to you. You know, in, in Australia, one in five people are affected by mental health at the moment. As far as domestic violence is concerned, one woman, one woman in Australia dies a week from DV. One man per month dies. But the stats for suicide, do you want me to tell you what they are? Who knows what they are? The stats for suicide, get ready, nine people a day in Australia die from suicide. 63 a week from suicide. 75% of them are young men. Whoa. That gets me. That gets me. You know why? Because they're God's creation. They're God's creation. And what is that about? There's a sense of helplessness. There's a sense of hopelessness. And not just those two elements. Of course, there's lots of other things. But we've got to be better. We've got to be better with our young men. We've got to be better at looking after them, helping them. 
This isn't even in my notes, but I just want to say something. We need to understand this. God has made man and woman, yay? Yes. Who knows that women talk a lot? (laughs) Who knows that we have 35,000 words that we need to get out a lot? Okay, this is the deal. What do men do? Men don't talk. I have men that sit in my office and talk about all the thoughts. Then we talk about feelings. And it's quiet. We've got to get better at it. Because God made man and woman. I have a real heart for young people and young men. God created man. And I believe that there's an onslaught like never before. These statistics are real. These statistics are in Australia. These statistics are in our backyard. They're maybe not here. I've personally, in my professional life, have been impacted. And it's devastating. It is so devastating. But there is an answer. And we have the answer. Mental health is about wellness rather than illness. And it means being able to take satisfaction and pleasure pleasure in everyday life, according to Beyond Blue. We use the term to refer to mental health conditions such as depression and anxiety. I think, I think what's really important for us is we need to let go of the stigma Why do we suffer with anxiety? Why do we suffer with depression? I don't know. Was it our family of origin? Was it the yelling and screaming that we saw from mum and dad? Was it the abuse that we suffered? Was it the trauma that we encountered? Is it our genetic disposition? Is it our chemical imbalance? Do you know what? I don't really know. I have no idea. But let me tell you something. It doesn't really matter. Because what we have to deal with is the behaviour. And you know, whether it was our family of origin, and you know, there's probably going to be some things I say that might trigger us tonight. You might be sitting here and go, whoa, I'm feeling something in here. I can't explain what's going on, but let me tell you, if, if that is you, then I want you just to sit with the feeling and it's okay. Maybe you grew in a hope, in a, maybe you grew up in a home with DV. Maybe your mum and dad split up when you're really young, that caused a trauma. Maybe that's what caused anxiety for you. Hearing mum and dad yell and scream, maybe them, but I don't know, but this is what I know. 10 years ago, Sorry, when I, was, when I did my studies in 06, 07, there was a prediction that there would be a crisis of mental health in 10 years. That means 2016, 2017. And there was nothing about a pandemic. So if there's a prediction, and we've also had a pandemic, oh my goodness, we have a problem. <laughs> So that's 2017. It was estimated that mental health would be our biggest health crisis. So that's telling us something, is it not? That's telling us, okay, maybe it's in the family structure. Maybe it's social media. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Maybe it's that pressure feel sorry for young adults. Got to have this, got to have that, do this, do that. You know what? We don't actually see what goes on for a person. We, we, we just see all the glim and glamour. We see the holidays, we see the cars, we see, I want this, I want that, I see the new height. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not having a go at that. So please hear me. I'm not having a go at that. 
But what we don't see is the person that's had to work four jobs to go on that overseas holiday. That's not glamorous. Having to do 100 hours of work and now we're going on a holiday, yay. Why didn't you post having to work 100 hours a week? Why don't you post cleaning at 10.30 a night to make the money to go on the amazing holiday? Can you hear? Can you hear? It's actually unrealistic. And that is part of what I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So, um, why is it prevalent? I've talked about that. You know, the other thing I want to say is um, worry. So, hopefully, I'm I'm going to just pick things out and hopefully you can put it all, by the end, it all kind of comes together. What is worry? Do I really need to explain what worry is? but I will. It's that nagging, persistent thought about a problem or a fear regarding something bad that has happened or maybe could happen. It's something that occurs internally. It occurs within us. You know how I said those triggers? Rather than a reaction to something occurring externally to us, as if I need to explain what it is. It's that, and I'll explain this in a moment, that rational versus the complete irrational thoughts. Why are we so anxious? Why are we so depressed? Why are we so stressed? Nothing is the same anymore. Is that true? We come out of the pandemic, everything's okay. We plan our holiday, we plan this, we plan, oh, hang on, shut down again. Nothing is the same as what it used to be. You know, remember Uncle, Uncle Mark? <laughs> Where did I get that from? <laughs> Pastor Mark. So, so remember he was talking about body, soul, and spirit. So our body is our physical, so pinch yourself. Are you real? Yes, you are. It's our physical being. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is how God has made us. And then our spirit, our spirit is dead. But when we receive, when we say yes to Jesus, we are then made alive in Christ. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So in the body, soul and spirit, this is God in us. We're made alive in Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I had this moment where I'm going, if God is in me, which when we do body, soul and spirit, we understand that God is in me, I'm made alive in Christ. But a step further, the word of God, this scripture is telling us that God is the word and the word is, so that means we can shut up shop and we can get over every bit of anxiety that there is because God has given us the answer. It's in the word, the word, but sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's a process to get there. So the word of God, when we put that in us, then then there's something to draw out. So in our mind, that's what? That's what we think. Our will is our ability to choose and our emotions is what we feel. But what happens is sometimes we try and bypass the physical and go straight to the spirit. Can I just tell you something? I cannot stand super spiritual people. (laughs) When everything, God told me this, God told me that. And then the next week they've told you something. And then the next week it's completely opposite to what God told them the week before. I get so confused. So, so it's like, so, you know, so I, we need to live by the spirit. I'm not saying that, but it's confusing when people say it's all about, but Remember this, 
God never changes his mind. So, so what we think, so remember, this is how God has made us. He's made us with a soul. He's made us with an ability to think. He's made us with an ability to choose. Choose. You're free. Do what you want. Really? Hang on. Hang on. Don't take off with that thought. <laughs> There's consequences for every choice that we make and what we feel. Oh, that's terrible writing. You can't even understand that. Um, and what we feel. But what happens, and this is the dilemma. And see, this is the dilemma for men. We, as women, we feel. We feel a lot. <laughs> I know, because I'm married to a thinker who says to me, <laughs> one day, I'll tell you, one day said, I'm, so we're talking about feelings, and my husband goes, oh, I won't tell you. <laughs> it's about feelings, like I'm so expressive. And my husband's like, I'm a bit tired of your feelings, love. <laughs> but it wasn't quite like that. And if you know my husband, he is so tolerant. And I thought, oh, I've really crossed the line here. But, but, but there is a concept. There is a concept here. So, okay, I'm over here and men are over here. So guess what? Somewhere in the middle is probably a good balance. <laughs> So we need to help our, if we're married, we need to help our husbands. If we have a, you know, if, if, if but, but even young men, we need to get better and helping them get in touch with feelings because that's how God has made us. Really, really important. So I talked about fight, flight, and fight, flight, and freeze. So what happens, our bodies, naturally, when we're feeling threatened, or when we're feeling our unsafe, we naturally have this, you know, to fight, to run, the flight. You know, have you seen in the movies where people just, they're, they're really freaked out and they just run for my, that's adrenaline. That's a, it's that anxiety that, that kicks in. And then the freeze is like we see a snake and we're completely... You want to freeze when you see a snake, though, I must say. You do. So our body naturally, naturally does it. So I want to read to you this scripture in Philippians 4, 6 to 8. This is, I think, one of my most favorite scriptures. Have we got it up there? Yes. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The new, the other version, um, have we got the other one? The new contemporary version, did that go up? Philippians 4, then because, it, uh, no, okay. There's another version, the new contemporary version. I didn't put it up. I should have, it's my fault. It talks about guarding our, oh, here it is. Because you belong to Christ, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control, here it is, this peace will control what you think and what you feel. Wow. Wow. Right there. So can you see how I'm talking about body, soul, and spirit? It's the word of God, and it's the word of God that does it. So that, the new contemporary is amazing. The way it, will, it fills our lives with peace, and it will help us. It will control what you think and what you feel. Probably one of my most favorite, favorite scriptures. So, next, I want to talk about the grieving process. So, you know what we're talking about before? All the losses. What happens in, has anyone heard of the grief curve? So, you can go online and look up the grief curve by uh, Kubler-Ross. So, the grief curve is something, is something that we go through in our lives. So, who thinks that a loss in our life is just when somebody dies? So, so we associate loss when, 
when someone has died. But I'm here to tell you tonight that a loss is more than that. A loss can be a job. A loss can be a relationship. Loss can be money. Loss can be health. Loss can be so many things. And this is what we identify as the grief curve. And what happens when this is the loss over here? I don't know if anyone can see. And then... Okay, fantastic. So when we have a loss, we go into shock. There's anger, denial. There's all sorts of emotions, right? And if we don't deal with them, we have to deal with depression. When we're really good to go, we come up here, we can accept, we can adjust our lives. We find new strength. We find new relationships and we're all good to go. Amazing. There's all sorts of, there's more emotions here, so many, frustration, so many. But what happens, what happens to us is we think we've had this loss. If we don't deal with the emotions, if we don't deal with the feelings, and we just try and go, oh no, it's all, I'm all good. You met those people? No, I'm all good. Everything's great. Your dad's just died. No, I'm all good. Life is amazing. I think, are you okay? <laughs> it's just me, sorry. <laughs> so, but what happens is, so this is what we deem as the grieving process. So it can even be a job. It can be not getting into the course that you wanted to get into. It can be, you know, in, in, in the youth group, someone that you asked out and said no to you and it's like you're so upset or you thought that you were going really well and, and all of a sudden... You, you thought you're travelling really well in a relationship and all of a sudden one of you goes, I'm done. Like, what? What? That's, I'm so confused. So that can be a shock, anger, denial, all sorts. What happens is if we don't allow ourselves to deal with these emotions and we go too quickly to the other side, we go, no, I'm all good. I can accept what's happened. I can find new strength, which is good too, but we've gone too quickly so the grieving process, what happens is one day we wake up, we're good. The next day we wake up, we're bad. No, I'm all good. Everything's amazing. And the next day we go, oh, I feel terrible today. It's okay. I want every single one of you to stand up right now. And I want you to put your hands up high. So this is what happens. If we... Oh, yeah, be careful you don't knock the other person. Whoops, I didn't really think about that, did I? <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. I did think about it, but I didn't think about it then. So what we do naturally when something happens, I want you to do this. Push, 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 push. Guess what we do? Repress, suppress. Repress, suppress, oppress. You can take your seats. Thank you for being such an amazing bunch. <laughs> Very obedient. So I, I did that on purpose because I want you to never, ever forget that. So what we naturally do is we shove it down. We push things down because we don't want to confront what we feel because it's too pain, I'm angry, I'm so upset. And I really think as Christians, I must say, the amount of people that I have in my office, that I have to say to them, it's okay for you to be upset about that. And they actually, let me use the real word, angry, that word, as Christians, we really struggle with being angry. Maybe it's not you guys, maybe it's just me. And I hear it so much, you know, and we teach our children, oh, darling, don't be angry. It's okay. You've got to share. Don't be angry. But rather, what we need to do is say to our children, say to our young adult, say to our adults, it's okay to be angry. Now, please do not take me out of context tonight. You're allowed to be angry within a construct... It, it, it's what we call constructive anger. 
I'm allowed to be angry, but I'm not allowed to kick the cat. I'm allowed to be angry, but the, 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 the commandments clearly teach us the ten, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. So I'm allowed to get in touch with my anger, but it has to be constructive and it can't hurt anybody else. But that is a ginormous topic that I'm not going to go into, but please do not take me out of context. So it's okay to be, and I think we have to get better at allowing people to feel that, to feel it, remember, so we get triggered. So you know that feeling something has happened and you're feeling something, it's okay, I'm angry because um, something has triggered, it's okay, I'm allowed to be angry, but it's what I do with it. So we implement anger management. We do a whole heap of stuff that I'm not going to go into. You learn to breathe. You learn to drink. So many strategies for that. So am I banging on about this anger thing? Please don't take me out of context. Don't want to see anyone with bruised eyes tomorrow. (laughs) Because that's domestic violence and that is unacceptable. (laughs) So... What we need to do, so what am I talking about? I'm talking about the grieving process. I'm talking about giving you permission to get in touch with what you feel. Men, women, girls, boys, everybody. And we've got to help one another. So how do we do that? And I believe there's two keys. Validation. And as we validate, remember what I said before with a child, we say, it's okay, you're allowed to, it's okay. Oh, so, so just say my child, you know, a young child is really angry and really upset. What works much better is to say, oh, honey, I can see that that is making you really angry. More than likely, do you know what they say? Yeah, I am. <laughs> but that's good. That's healthy because you're actually validating them. So you're not, so in the validation, you're not teaching them so we validate and we don't and this is we don't dismiss or minimize so really important concepts i can hear that you are really upset you know you know how like i'm a bit like with men i think god has created men in such an amazing way he's created men to as, as one concept to fix things. It's just how men are wired. Well, that's what I've seen in my limited life, in, in my limited experiences, that men are so solution-focused. And for those of you that are married, you say, oh, you know, how was your day today? And you go, you know, and you say, oh, you know, Mary today, she was so annoying. Like, she really... And, and then... So your husband then says something, not mine, because he's perfect. Um, not mine. He doesn't do this. He's, he's, he's learnt. Oh, he's amazing. Um, and so, but, but what it is, is, so you say the first three words, and then what happens is they're already working out how to fix your problem. That is honestly, in all my marriage counselling, I can hear some laughter. Is that resonating? Yeah, they're laughing because it's true. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not being, you know, it's, it's like what happens is what we actually need, and I say, get off the hook. You don't need to fix nothing. You've spent all day working, trying to work out solutions. You need to not do that with your wife. You need to just listen and hear. That's another topic for another day. (laughs) Listening and hearing sounds so easy, but it's so difficult. So to listen and hear what the other person is saying is really hard because because generally as women, what I found, it seems like we just need to get it out. And then once we've got it out, it's like it's better just need to validate what that is about. So anyway, I feel like, oh, my goodness. How am I going? Wow. Okay. So much more to tell you. Hopefully, I'm going to get it all done. Okay. I just want to share for you a personal story of mine last year, just to help you see what happens in our grieving process, what happens when shock enters our lives. You know, last year, 
Ooh, I think this might be a bit hard for me to share. My, last year, my husband cut a long story short. He had an incidental find where he has had his kidney removed and he had a 5.5 centimetre growth, which I was... So remember I talked about fight, flight or, or freeze? I went into the fight of my life. I was praying and believing that that 5.5 centimetre growth would not be malignant, cancer. He gets it cut out. Four days before his surgery, I find out that after 12 years, I now have a growth. Four days before his surgery. Whoa. Anyway, we, we knew what mine was, but I was believing, spiritually fighting, that his would be benign. Guess what? I went into shock because it was an incidental find. That's a miracle. I went into, I had a bit of trauma. And what that meant was he had to have his kidney removed and it came back as cancer. What? Cancer? But God, I was believing. So, but before he had his surgery, I'll never forget this. It was a Sunday afternoon. He was sleeping every night. He was relaxed. It's okay, Anna. God's got it. He's got my life. He knows my days. And I'm like, I did not have that experience. <laughs> I had to confront. What are we all afraid of? Dying. Most of us. I had to confront, God, is my husband about to exit the planet? He seems like he's cool with it. <laughs> but I ain't. <laughs> I'm about to have a 30th wedding anniversary and I want to make more, another 30 years. So anyway, he's sleeping at night. I'm not. He's, he's and, but we did push into worship. We did push into, anyway, I'm telling you all that to tell you this story. I'll never forget this Sunday morning. I asked God, I said, God, you've got to give me something. I know he's cool. I know he's confident. I know he's full of faith. But I am, you know that anxious feeling? God, what are you doing? Like, you know those things that you ask, those questions? So I didn't think I had anxiety. But my, my experience with the dog, I think, is my aftermath of what happened last year, and that comes from my shock, which was a trauma. So I had triggers. So one Sunday morning, this is the scripture that God gave me, and it's found in Psalm 91. Okay, let me read this to you. So he's standing over there, working on his studio. I'm in the study. I can see him. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. Do you know, I was that day when I got that word, can you hear this word? Yeah. I'm asking God to give me a word about my husband. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I said, okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I'm at peace. Thank you, God. So can you hear in our body, soul and spirit when we talk about God being the word and the word is God, we've got to put it in there. So then that peace comes and goes, it's okay. It's all good. But, but I needed to also walk through that. And then another little thought, when he got this diagnosis of cancer, I went into shock. And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me? What's the big deal? Cancer or not cancer? Going, are you for real? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I felt the Holy Spirit say, but what is the difference? 
because it was an incidental fine. They got it early. My daughter had two friends who were, un, they're not Christians, and they said to her, how did that happen for your father? My uncle died and my father died from kidney cancer. Why did that happen? To, how did the doctor find that? God. So, am I getting my point across? So, we still have feelings. And God answers us at our point of need. Okay, so I better move along because I've got to get to the gutsy bit. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I just want to read Matthew 6, 25 to 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't, is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? I really feel that that is for someone here tonight. I was going to skip over it. The days that we are living in are so challenging. Did you ever think that Maccas or Hungry Jacks would ever use cabbage leaves as lettuce? <laughs> Did you ever think that? We are living in challenging times. <laughs> so, so can you hear, like, like I, I know I'm making a bit light of it, but the truth is the days that we are living in, we were talking at lunch today about you know, homes are a million dollars for nothing, you know? Like, there's so many challenges, and this scripture is for all of us tonight, that we need to not worry and understand that God knows. God sees and he understands, and as we trust in him implicitly about everything in our life, that he will provide for all our needs before we even ask him. So, the other scripture I want to read is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So this is what I want to, this is really important for us tonight. You know, you, you know sometimes someone will say to you, our brain is a bit like, our brain is like this. Now, this is really important, but I'm going to get rid of it. Ooh. Okay. Just give me a second. Our brain is a bit like this. I'm no artist, but our brain has so many signals, right? And, and, and you know when we have, you know if someone says to you, don't think about the purple donut with sprinkles, what do you think about Who's thinking about a purple donut with sprinkles? And it's like that for us. Like our brain, what we need to do to help us with anxiety, yes, it is the word of God, it is that, but there's also some practical strategies that we can also use. And that is we need to chat, we need to contact, okay, what am I thinking right now? I'm thinking about that purple donut or I'm thinking what is that? So you remember what happened to me in the car? I had a completely irrational response to that. And then, so I need to go, okay, what is my worst case scenario? So, so when we have all these thoughts, we contemplate, don't say, oh, don't be silly, don't think about that. Or, you know, people with anxiety, what happens is we have these un, un, completely irrational and unrealistic thoughts that... You say, don't be ridiculous, but you know, that does not help. So what I've done, I've sat in my office with many people from young to old with the most bizarre, and I'm not even going to go into it, but bizarre and irrational thoughts. But as we step it out, we go, okay, let's contemplate that. Let's challenge that. So as we challenge and go, so what you use is the truth versus lie. Is that the truth in your life? 
Or is that rational versus irrational? So, you know what? You, I mean, I don't need to talk about some irrational fears, but just say, I don't know, you, you have a completely irrational fear that someone's going to break into your house and you live across the road from the police station, but it's very real. And, and you know how they're going to get over the fence because it's... All, so what we have to do is we have to validate that. We have to go, okay, is that rational or is irrational? Okay, so yes, you know what? Someone could break in. Someone could break in. But if they did, would anybody hear them? You know, there's people at home. So yeah, they'd probably... So can you hear? So we, so we use that concept between rational versus irrational. So not to say, don't be ridiculous, don't think that, because that doesn't help. Whereas if we go, and the other thing, to take it even further, when we use the concept or is that the truth or is that a lie, then we use, uh, let me give you another concept a bit further, all of us spring off of a belief system, whether we know it or not. So what we believe impacts what we think, what we think impacts what we feel, what we feel impacts our behaviours. So what that means is whether we're, we're bouncing off of a belief, whether we're aware of it or not, we're all operating from a belief system. So what we need to articulate or acknowledge is, wow, I actually believe this. So then we can challenge it with, is it the truth or is it a lie? But then where's your truth and where's the lie? So guess what comes into it? The Word. That's it, Pastor Mark. <laughs> so the Word of God is what we use to challenge truth versus lie. Otherwise, what are we going to measure with? So that is really, really important to understand that. Does that help? Does that make sense? So, so I think this, if we really grasp this, it really can help us a real lot. Um, the other thing, so what are some of the other things that can help us? This is one concept that we can use. The other is deep breathing exercises. I teach most of my clients when they come in, you know, the moment you say deep breathing exercises, you think you're some weird, yeah. wacky person, guru. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. So, so what, what we need to understand is while I'm anxious, I'm shallow breathing. I'm heightened. So what we need to do is calm right down. We can't be anxious and deep breathe at the same time. So deep breathing, just and just do it now in your seat. Just take a deep breath in. And then deep from your and then just release very slowly. It's not weird. It's not wacky. It does really help. And you can teach people. Do your deep breathe. So you do ten of those morning, noon, and night if you can. You can do it on the bus. You can do it at home, whenever. So that is really important to help us in in especially if we are anxious. Relaxation, mindfulness, and meditation. You know, I was just telling Pastor Nina today that I think it was yesterday or the day before, I woke up and I had a mindful moment. What? What's a mindful moment? I woke up and I could hear the birds. It was so quiet. It was so still. You know, let's face it, we're all running 100 miles an hour. We're all stressed. We're all rural, run, 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 doing more, just running. And we're not taking the time to just stop, breathe. Be mindful. Mindfulness is just about, okay, what am I doing right now? I'm sitting down. Right now I'm having lunch. Right now I'm doing this. Instead of thinking about all the other things that we've got to do. The other thing that I, I really want to, want to leave with you. So last year for John and I, in our crazy year that we had, even after um, the aftermath of COVID, we really... Um, drew into worship, like, and I don't know how you feel about that, and it's not, <clears throat> I love, during our lockdown season, I don't 
don't know, there was some amazing music that came out. And I wish I had this particular song that John and I listened to and it talks about anxiety. The song talks about depression. The song talks about, it's singing the Psalms. It's singing the word of God. So what we were doing was we were putting the word of God into us through music. Very, very powerful. Find people that you love listening to that put the word of God into you. Because when you put it in, then we can get it out. The other thing I want to leave with you is the concept of stillness. And I'm coming, I've got just a few more minutes. Who knows who Mother Teresa is? Most people would know Mother Teresa. If you don't, please look her up. Mother Teresa was asked, how do you talk to God? What, What do you say to God? And Mother Teresa, guess what her answer was? Nothing. And then they asked her, how does God talk back to you? What does he say to you, Mother Teresa? Do you know what her response was? Nothing. Wow. I'm a Pentecostal through and through. I like to pray. I love to intercede. But what I've learnt, and I do with that, but I think this is a concept that we really need to get a hold of. In stillness, in silence, and in solitude. Mother Teresa would sit quietly. Now, you try as a challenge. Do you know what I think? I might be wrong. But what happens when we sit in... You, you try and sit for one... Put, put your phone on for one minute. Not now. <laughs> when you go home, in your devotions, put your phone on for one minute, your alarm. And I want you to sit, sit quietly, not looking at your phone, and just sit in stillness, Silence and solitude. It will change your life. Do you know what I believe it does? You know when you go to the gym, you're building muscle? What I believe stillness, silence and solitude does for us is it spiritually builds our spiritual muscles. I'm not an amazing... I think these... You know the impression that I had about my husband? The impression I had... Just these thoughts are coming. What is that? Because I am spiritually exercising. And if Mother Teresa, you read her story, if she used to sit in stillness and solitude, stillness, silence. You think it's easy. You try it. But then increase it. And it just really does something to us. You know what? Oh, I have got a lot more to say, but I'm, I'm really, I really feel that, you know, stress is also an exacerbator. We need to learn how to manage our stress. And I've got a whole heap of points on that, but you know what? We need to learn how to balance our lives. We can't do all work and no play or all play and no work. It's really important for us to understand, to manage stress, to understand what the priorities are in our lives. And so we need to learn to balance priorities in order to manage stress. And I think what happens is, depending on your personality and our our behaviours and all of that, you know, it's really important to understand, how do I manage my stress? What do I do? How do I do this? Really, really important to learn to manage stress, manage your priorities, have a balanced life, Implement boundaries, learn different behaviour patterns. I was going to go into that, but I'm not going to tonight. So what we need to do is really to understand, you know, I was talking to Tiana today, and and actually, before I tell you that, I want every single one of you to get your phone out, and I want you to put this number in your phone, 1311 14, it's the lifeline number. Now, you may not need that number, 
But let me tell you, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling helpless, if you're feeling hopeless, if you don't want to put that number under lifeline, put it under Larry or Lucy or something. So, and just, so it may not be that you ever need that number. But you know what? Just knowing that you have someone that you can talk to 24-7 could be your saving grace or it could be the saving grace for somebody else. It, it could be 13, 11, 14. 13, and you can talk to someone. So just say you know someone who's struggling to sleep. You know, just tell them to ring Lifeline. The other thing, if, you, if, you, if this has triggered something in you this evening, then please don't suffer in silence. Please, let's change the statistics. Let's change those stats. Let's change and let's become people that, that are just able to, you know what? I'm going to reach out with no stigma, with no judgment, that we can just talk to someone, go and get help, go and seek professional help. Because remember, we're all on a journey, you know? So if, if we go and seek some professional help, then your youth group or, or people in the church can be there to support you and encourage you. But, but you've got someone else helping you. And then, you know, I've had the... the People that just sit in my office, and I love it when I can just pull out the little, the little gems, and they go, oh, "I've never seen that before." It's liberating. It's not me; it's the Holy Spirit. So, for you to take home today, you know, God is a God of miracles. So, what can you take home today? Understanding that. We are all made of body, soul, and spirit. That we all have feelings. That it's important to acknowledge those feelings. Not to dismiss or deny them. Not to have those feelings validated. And that helps us. Helps us in the grieving process. So I've rubbed it off the board. And then it helps us to come to the acceptance phase and go, okay, this is okay. I'm okay. I'm better. I'm much better now. You know, I I was in shock last year, but I'm working that through. You know what? It's been a process. It's been a journey. I've had some amazing people around me. I've had to confront some really hard stuff. And, you know, in our lives, sometimes we go through different seasons and and different things have happened and things have happened in our family or things have happened at work or, or whatever. So it's important for us to be there for one another, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. But just remember, God wants us to live the best life that we could live. He's given us everything, everything. And this is the model, body, soul, and spirit. Not to live in denial of it, but to live in a place where it helps us to heal, helps us to recover, helps us to be restored 100%. So I hope you've really got something out of it. The other thing, oh, I was talking to Tiana today, and, and she was telling me, you know, in here in Queensland, there are what, that, what they call safe spaces. Now, that, there's three hubs at the moment, and they are in Caboolture, Strathpine, and I can't see that, Barden, and soon to open in Redcliffe. A safe, a safe, safe space from five to nine where people can go. Now, I don't really know a lot about it, but people can go that are struggling emotionally, finding it really hard helpless, feeling hopeless. They can go and there's people there they can talk to. You know what? That is amazing. That is amazing to have a face that people can talk to. So I just pray that the stats come down, that even as as Brisbaneites, as Queenslanders, that you forge the way to bring those stats down, that you allow the young men in this place that it doesn't It's not 75%. No, no, no. We've got to take a stand against that. So, yeah, that's it. So I hope that was helpful to you. Can I just have just a word of prayer? I'm just going to pray just quickly. Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that the words that have been spoken tonight would bear much fruit in each and every one of our lives, God. 
I thank you for the opportunity and I pray that as we go away that we can have a sense of hope, a sense of peace that no one and nothing can take it away. In Jesus' name.